You're listening to AW360, a podcast from Advertising Week. Recorded in studio and live at Advertising Week's global events, AW360 features thought leadership conversations with the best and the brightest in the advertising, marketing, and technologies industries each and every week. If you enjoy AW360, we'd appreciate it if you took the time to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and maybe even leave a positive review. Thanks for listening. Barbara, thanks for taking the time to be on the AW360 podcast. I'm so pleased to have you on today. Thanks for having me. So you're Vice President of Strategy and Acceleration for 8451. Tell us what is 8451 and what do you do there? 8451 is a retail data science insights and media company. We are a wholly owned subsidiary of Kroger and we leverage um, all of Kroger's first party data assets to help create a more personalized experience for customers. And we use that to both help the Kroger company directly and then also engage with CPGs and agencies and retail affiliates to bring that same science and media expertise to the market. Excellent. Well, Kroger is one of my favorite chains, even though I've never actually been in a proper Kroger store. Um, but I do shop at their affiliates over here on the West Coast quite often. So this is this should be interesting. Um, you know, when it comes to working in the space that you're in, how do things like, you know, inflation and, and other factors like that, you know, that happen to customers, how does that affect and impact what you do? Oh, it, it affects pretty much everything that we do. So one of the things that we've been monitoring over the last couple of years now is the um, response that customers are having to growing inflation. And it's impacting their behavior in several different ways. So one is at a macro level, uh, we're seeing um, a continued trend of eating at home. Um, whereas there was a hypothesis coming out of the pandemic that customers would start to skew back towards going out in restaurants and having more food away from home. We're seeing that really consumption at home has continued um, for a couple reasons. And one of the main ones is, is due to inflation. So that impacts obviously grocery shopping behavior in the industry at large. We've also seen that as a response to inflation, the top behavior consistently that customers are taking is in looking for sales deals and coupons more often. And so with that, we have a direct opportunity to engage uh, the CPG community in, in two different ways to help customers do that in a, a really impactful way. So we have a, a loyalty marketing arm um, where we uh, run the what we call best customer communications uh, for the Kroger company. So if you have a Kroger Plus card um, with that, um, if you are a loyal shopper, we send uh, to you personalized coupons based on the products that you buy. So you may receive some of those as a Kroger uh, customer. And so any time where inflation is high and customers are looking for these deals and coupons more often, it has actually made the uh, importance of loyalty marketing and rewards even higher than normal because it is really critical for brands to make sure that they are engaging with customers in a super relevant and personalized way to help uh, keep their items in their basket. The other uh, key way that this uh, manifests is with 
retail media. So we have um, uh, and, and run Kroger's retail media network, which is Kroger Precision Marketing. And through that, there is a real opportunity to drive awareness of the offers and, and deals that are going on in stores through um, targeted uh, digital media. And then we also have the opportunity to uh, deliver targeted digital coupons to customers as well. And so that's another really relevant way that we're able to help brands get offers to customers that are relevant to them and can directly help customers in a time where they are feeling financially constrained and looking for coupons and deals to help them maximize their grocery budget. Well, I can tell you from experience, you guys do an excellent job. Um, I receive endless streams of coupons, all of which are very targeted and very useful to me. The other thing I wanted to talk about on the, the sort of customer loyalty side of things is over here where I live, I go to Fred Meyer. Um, you're probably familiar. Um, yeah. We have Fred Meyer points, which is almost like it's it's not quite what I would call a gamification of the whole thing. But, you know, one of the best places to buy gas for your car over here is the Fred Meyer gas station. And so you find, you know, those points lead to discounts at the pump. It's a great way to combat all manner of inflation then, because not only are you getting, you know, coupons for the grocery side of things, you're also getting discounts on gas. What sort of pickup do you see from customers on like the loyalty point side? I assume that's something that's run pretty much everywhere. Yeah, so the we find that the Kroger loyalty program is a really critical driver uh, in um, customer retention over time. And one of the interesting things that we've seen is, is as you mentioned, your fuel points, different customers really prioritize different benefits. So there are some that say, you know what, really what I uh, get the most value out of from the loyalty program is fuel points that I get. There are others that say what's really the most impactful element to me is the personalized coupons that I get in the mail. And then as digital um, uh, has grown and e-commerce adoption has expanded, we have also evolved the, the loyalty program as well to introduce the boost program. Um, and with that, if you are a boost member, you can then get added benefits um, with things like free delivery. And so it gives more optionality to customers as we've seen that the, the levers that are most important to different customers can vary. We now are expanding our loyalty program beyond what had been sort of core in, in early days with fuel points being one of the really key drivers to now having uh, many more options that customers can take advantage of. Let's switch over a little bit to private label brands. Now, this has been one of the things that I find very valuable personally, you know, when shopping at a Kroger store. What are the, I guess, the pros and cons for that on the consumer side? I know that some people have incredible brand loyalty to the, I don't know, the tomato soup they've been buying for years. But, you know, when you see that Kroger one and you're pinched for cash, you know, you see, it seems like more people would be willing to try it. Personally, I try all of them. I mean, I'm a huge fan of your ice cream. Um which is not benefiting my, my waistband, I'll tell you that. But nonetheless, it's delicious. But what are the benefits and, and how is that program working out? <laughs> uh, the first thing I'll say is that private selection ice cream is the best. Um, and then the, the other is that uh, we've seen that through the last couple of years, there's been um, an increased willingness to trade to private label brands as a result of inflation. However, overall, 
while we see this growing overall, it's not consistent across all categories. So there are some categories where customers are more willing to trade uh, to a private label brand or uh, a lower price option than others. So categories where we see this increased willingness is in things like frozen and shelf stable goods and household cleaning. Um, and in categories where we see customers are much less willing to trade are also categories that have high brand loyalty. So think pet food, pet food, personal care, um, and beauty, and even uh, soft drinks are categories where we see less willingness to trade. Um, so we, we do see that there is variation across the store. The other piece though that I add on to this comment though, is that over time, we've also seen a maturity happen in the private uh, label brand space where, especially at Kroger, there are many brands that are in the R brands portfolio that have brand loyalty in their own right because we've built up brand equity. So Simple Truth is a really good example of this where customers look to Simple Truth as a brand itself and not just as a private label brand owned by the Kroger company. So uh, we also see the landscape shifting in terms of uh, the perception that customers have of private label brands. That is fascinating. I actually purchased a lot of Simple Truth items and honestly, I had no idea that was a Kroger brand. Um, well, what goes into launching something like that and really developing it into a sort of a standalone thing that, you know, obviously it's not meant to fool me. I'm getting a better value at a, at a decent price point, but the quality of Simple Truth is, you know, I, I picked it not because of cost, but because of just how much I like the products. What are the challenges in, in putting something like that out? Well, within the, the Kroger company, we have a, a whole team that runs the, the R Brands portfolio and the, the evolution that has happened has been in managing those as a brand in itself. So I think one of the challenges that, that you're picking up on is the, the evolution of how retailers think about private label brands and the role that they want them to play within their their enterprise strategy. And if you want to create brand equity, uh, and customer loyalty, you need to invest in those brands as if they were a national brand. When it comes to the competition between, let's say, Kroger private label brands and, you know, sort of the more mainstream recognized brands, is there ever a point where, you know, there's any sort of, I don't know, conflicts at all? Or is, are, are the big players really happy to kind of sit on the shelves alongside? You know, the mix that we're seeing in stores between national brands and private label brands has certainly evolved over the last several years. And the trend towards having more private label brands within the, the retail space isn't going to go away. And so the responsibility that sits on retailers and brands is to figure out how those two are going to coexist on shelf. So the imperative sits on national brands and retailers to then figure out how these two are going to coexist in a sustainable way going forward. And what we anchor all of our decisions on is customer behavior and the ensuring that the brands that we have on shelf are the brands that our customers want to buy, because ultimately that is what is going to drive a customer to choose to shop at Kroger versus another retailer. You know, let's switch back over to sort of the omni-channel experience. And one of the things that 
I'm always also curious about is, you know, I know that all most of the Kroger stores, at least all the ones that I visit, have an associated app that I can use to get coupons and, and things of that nature. How effective is that for you? And what kind of part does that play? I'm always curious as to when an app becomes... You know, in, in some situations, and definitely not in Kroger's situation, the app is incredibly useful. I love it. Thank you. But in, in a lot of cases, the app is sort of an afterthought. It's this thing that people developed, you know, when at the dawn of mobile because they figured they have to have them. But more and more, we're starting to see, especially in retail, apps that are really drivers for all kinds of benefits to the customer and presumably to, you know, group, you know companies like Kroger. How do you see the app positioned right now? And then how do you see the app positioned maybe down the road a couple of years? That's a great question. So I'd start with talking about the growth of e-commerce. We certainly saw a acceleration in e-commerce adoption with the pandemic, and that has now continued. What we now know is that we are in an omni-channel world. So customers are not for the most part, exclusively shopping in-store or exclusively e-commerce shoppers. They are both. You choose to use pickup one day, you choose to go in-store for another trip, or you may go to the website to download a coupon that you're then going to use in an in-store transaction, or you are using the app while you're actually shopping in stores as well. So the role that the app plays is twofold. One is in driving e-commerce sales. So you can actually go online and place your order for pickup or delivery. It also influences a lot of in-store purchases as well because customers go there to look for items, to read the product detail pages, to um, look for and download coupons. And then now as the, the ad is moving online, looking at the digital ad as well. So the app itself is really integral to the seamless shopping experience that Kroger creates for customers across product discovery through to um, information and, and all the way to purchase. One of the things that we've seen is that even our most loyal e-com shoppers are still making 40% of their trips in store. And as e-commerce adoption continues to grow, when we ask customers going forward into the future, what do you think you will want in the shopping experience in the future? And even our younger shoppers are saying that 70% of them think that they're still going to want in-store shopping as well. So just as I talked about the national and private label brands needing to coexist with each other, e-commerce and in-store shopping experience will also coexist in the future. So the, the retailers that really thrive are going to be the ones that really invest in a seamless experience between both of those two modes. And the glue that can really bring those things together is the app. Amazing. Let's switch over to kind of the consumer expectation. You know, what, what does the modern consumer want? I know that one of the top priorities for Kroger is freshness. You know, freshness is a is a big expectation. And one of those things that I think many of us have started on the consumer side to take for granted. But a lot of people don't remember that, you know, I don't know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, you couldn't just walk into a grocery store and expect everything to be fresh. That was not uh, one of those things that by default was necessarily a truth. But there's also alongside that, all kinds of things that, you know, we as shoppers prioritize, be it sustainability, um, affordability, 
you know, health factors, things of that nature. How do you strategize around all of those expectations and needs on the consumer side? That seems like a lot to tackle with everything else going on and, you know, pressing for innovation, studying, you know, the the shopping patterns, offering great deals and, you know, amazing ice cream. It just seems like a lot to to, to be on the lookout for. That is an accurate statement. Uh, <laughs> I'd say uh, the core emphasis on really understanding what is most important to our customers is really what drives that prioritization. So you were talking about freshness and, and I think it's sort of alluding to different claims. And especially as we think about just the growth of natural organic and expansion of definitions around health, there are a lot of competing marketing claims that can both go on products and then also drive innovation strategies. And so one of the things that we do in that space, because there is such a proliferation, is really ask our customers what is most important to them. And when you think about things like 100% natural and non-GMO versus something like freshness, we actually see that freshness still rises to the top. So a top claim that our customers are looking for is something that is guaranteed fresh. And one of the really interesting insights that comes from this is that this is an opportunity for us to deliver on multiple benefits for customers if you can really nail that. Because not only are you ensuring that there's a quality product that we can give customers to, to put quality food in their bodies, but also in a time of increased inflation, and increase awareness around the importance of sustainability, this can actually help with both of those two things as well. So if you have fruit and vegetables that are guaranteed to be fresh, you're also helping to reduce waste because you don't have customers buying products that they ultimately then have to throw out. And reducing waste both helps the environment and it also helps your bank account because it ensures that the money you spend on your groceries this week are all going to go towards food that you can ultimately eat. Interesting. One of the other questions I have just kind of on that note is how do things differ for you on a strategy level, depending upon your region? I mean, Kroger's everywhere. And as I think a lot of us know, depending upon where you are in the country, you may have different priorities than, you know, somebody else on the other side of the nation. How do you go about figuring out, you know, who needs what? I mean, I, I got to think that, you know, when I walk into a Kroger store, here in Portland, Oregon, for example, the sort of healthy food section is much bigger than I would anticipate a national chain store to have. You know, I mean, competitors, your your competitors don't have near the the quantity or quality of goods on, you know, in, in that particular segment that, that you do. I mean, it's not even close. But is that really kind of reflected everywhere? Or, you know, in some regions, are there, you know, different benefits, discounts, things of that nature, you know, inventory, really. Uh -huh. Yes. So we vary assortment based on a host of attributes around stores. So one of the elements that you talked about is regionally, but there are also differences based on the size of store layouts, based on the, um, the community that different stores are serving. And so when we think about foundationally, the, the assortment that goes into a store, and then also even how big, to your point, how big different sections or, or aisles are, a lot of those analytics are done 
at a granular store level and built from the ground up. And it's based on understanding the customers that are shopping those stores. There is certainly a balance that a retailer of this size has to play in terms of what can be scaled um, nationally and then what actually has to be different at a regional or store level. And so we really leverage a lot of advanced analytics uh, to make those decisions that are all really grounded in the customers that are shopping the stores and the behaviors that we see them them making when they they choose to shop with us. Amazing. I could probably talk to you about this stuff all day because it's it's you know you everybody in the country lives this experience and to be able to talk to somebody who is on the front line of how everything is served up, how it's marketed, how the deals work to me is just endlessly fascinating. I thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today, Barbara. This is fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to AW360. For more podcasts like this one, be sure to check out Advertising Week's ever-growing roster of podcasts for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, including our flagship podcast, Great Minds. You can find those at www.advertisingweek.com slash podcasts.